When you haven't won a Stanley Cup for 40 years, I don't care how much talent you may or may not have, you're an underdog. The team I took over in 1982 was in the Detroit River, quite frankly. I don't mean to be rude or anything, but you don't have any kind of a hockey club. I knew that there were good players in Russia. The problem was there was an iron curtain. There's no book, you know, you couldn't go anywhere and say, okay, how do you get a guy to defect? I knew one guy that spoke Russian. I get to Helsinki, I notice a guy, I'm convinced he was their KGB guy. Literally, we're making it up as we went along. I said, Sergey, this money's yours if you leave now. It was interesting for me, it was like, a little bit exciting. My home phone rings, and it's some guy from the State Department. Do you know the whereabouts of Sergey Fedorov? To which I basically said, yes. Very quickly, you're like, hey, this guy's pretty good, you know? One of the most talented players I ever saw in my life. Scotty Bowman knew one thing, that the Russian game is played in five-man units. First time in NHL history, five Russian guys playing in the same unit. I said, let's go. They played a different style. It was keep away. I mean, literally, they would play keep away. No way! What is this, hockey night in Canada or hockey night in Russia? Hasta la vista, baby. People questioned Scotty Bowman. They questioned if we could get it done. They're coming over. They're going to have to play the Canadian way. They're going to have to toughen up. <laughs> it's way beyond hockey. American, Canadian, Swedish, Russian. They're all Red Wings! None of this matters unless we win. The Wings and the Flyers in a Stanley Cup showdown. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. They say those that ignore history are doomed to repeat it, and it is in that spirit that we are bringing you a conversation with Joshua Reel and Jenny Federovich, the makers of the Russian Five documentary. It is screening in L.A. for a limited time. It's a fascinating look at a fascinating period, not only in hockey, but also in world history. Um, at different points, it feels like a heist movie, an international political thriller, a fish-out-of-water story, a buddy flick, a sports movie, a Shakespearean drama. It's got emotional highs, crushing lows. Um, I know it may seem like I'm being melodramatic, but for those of you who remember those great Red Wings teams in the 90s, uh, or for those of you who don't, uh, I'm promoting this movie because I genuinely believe in it, not only as a documentary, but also just as a piece of entertainment. It's it's really, really good. Now, sadly, the first 10 minutes of my conversation with the filmmakers was lost in a technical glitch, but I think we salvaged enough of it for you to get a real sense of the passion both of them put into making this project. Do yourselves a favor. Do go catch a screening of this documentary. It's in LA for a week. Uh, tell your friends, bring your family. If you have ever known somebody that you wanted to get into hockey, but you couldn't find the door for them, I really think this could be it. Anyway, enough of my rambling. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Now here's Josh and Jenny to tell you about the Russian Five. I thought one of the nicer accents of the movie, not necessarily the focus or the highlight, but the notion that no matter where you're from, everybody's a human and, and to sort of move past the national divisions and that sort of thing. Um, I'm curious, Jenny, you having experienced that firsthand, was it difficult f trusting him to tell the story of an immigrant community sort of finding a home in America? 
you know, the, given that that's sort of partly your story too, was it, how do you build that, that chemistry and that trust? Well, we talked about it from the beginning and it was important. You know, it was important that we were not making a hockey film. We were making a film about people who play hockey. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that I was a part of the team, I think probably I can't speak for Josh, that he maybe got a look inside what we are like and what we think like and going to Russia to film. I think when you get exposed to that and you're a part of that community, coming to a Russian party, meeting our friends, sharing a meal, I think that's where that trust comes from. I think if the team was purely American, I'm not sure, you know, it might have been different. But I, I tend to trust people until I have a reason not to trust them and to see if they're going in the wrong direction. But I think it's through exposures. People really understand that, This, which is very much like the same thing in the film where the guys take them out to dinner to a Russian restaurant. It's, it's the same thing. That's how you bond. Did you find um, any pushback from the players or the front office guys i mean obviously teams are tightly knit communities mm -hmm. there's always the talk of the camaraderie and mm -hmm. i know the red wings front office was at times protective of their process and their yeah. and their methods was there any reluctance on their end to open up to you guys actually surprisingly no and i you know maybe had we done this film 10 years ago it would have been but at this point i think it's enough times passed i mean actually Ken Holland and Jim Davilano were champions of this very, very early on. Uh, and that's one of the, really the only reasons why it got made. Um, you know, Jim lights was the first person, you know, I was in Austin still, uh, as the CEO of the Dallas stars. Um, I, I wrote letters to everyone involved and, and Jim lights was the first person to write me back and said, well, if you're in Austin still, why don't you drive up 35 and let's have a chat. And I pitched him the project and, and he loved the idea. And, you know, for him, this is one of the highlights of his professional career. So then he gave me Ken Holland's phone number and Jimmy Devilano's phone number. And so I went home for Christmas. And luckily during all this time, the NHL was in a lockout. So none of these guys were doing really, they were just waiting for the <laughs> lockout to resolve. Just like the rest of us. Yeah. Good yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I called up Ken and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Michigan for Christmas. Can we get together? And so, you know, his daughter dropped him off at a Barnes and Noble uh, while she went Christmas shopping, and him <laughs> and I had you know coffee and and we uh, chatted about it, and he got really excited. And so, you know, a year later when I went to the Winter Classic, and trying to get access and, and passes, I'll never forget it. He brought in Todd Beam, who is, is their communications director, and Ken introduced me by saying, "Todd, this is Joshua. He wants to make a documentary about the Russian Five. We met last year, and he hasn't given up yet, so I think we should help him. And I think, you know, just that persistence um, made an impression on them. And, and so they opened the doors up. And, you know, once some of the doors start opening, everyone starts participating. Now, the participation is different from how much they're willing to tell you. And that was something that I thought was really interesting was, you know, there are certain stories. I think the Russian dinner was one. Sergey's uh, shoulder injury was another where when I first approached those in the interviews, there was sort of like a, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I was like, well, I have this fact here. And so it was like, oh, okay, well, so you've done the research. Might, might as well, you know, cat's out of the bag. And so then they, you know, then they would talk about these things. But that only comes through trust, and you only get that trust by talking to the person before who they trust. And, and so it sort of becomes a, a, a chain link type of thing where if you've talked to Sergey and Slava and they tell you one thing. So then when you ask Igor about it, you know, he's more willing to, to 
talk to you about it. And then when you finally talk to Steve Eiserman about it, you know, and you mentioned the Russian dinner, he kind of cracks a smile of like, how do you know about that? And he tells you this wonderful story. And, and you know, to, to hear that story from Stevie's perspective and Darren's perspective and Igor, I mean, that was really special to get into like those human moments that those guys shared that as fans, we didn't know about, you know, and you don't know what these guys are going through in the locker room off the ice. We only see the product on the ice, but all those things that happen in the locker room and on the road impact what's on the ice. And so it was important for us to, to get into that and to really show them the full spectrum of their humanity is, is not, again, not just hockey players, but humans. You mentioned earlier, Jenny, people who said, you know, they don't want to go down in the basement. They're not going to look through their archives. They're not going to help you. Did you have people who, as a result of the progress you made, change their mind or reach out and say, we oh, we do want to be a part of this now? Oh, for sure. Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that came on board right away that supported us. Actually, Darren McCarty was there from day one. I mean, I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, where other people, I think, look at you and go, ah, we are not sure. Are they going to make a good product? Who are they? Rightfully so, by the way. You know, I don't blame people not coming and welcoming us with opening arms because they don't know who we are. They don't know what the intention is. And even if the intention is good, a lot of people, I think, kind of set back. Uh, they did not want to help they did not want to participate and of course after it's done and it plays to three and a half thousand people and uh, Vladdy is there he gets a standing ovation everybody gets goosebumps sure you become that person where people are like oh why didn't you ask me to do this <laughs> or how can I help you or you know th that element is there but you know, our theory has always been people are in, people are in, people are out, they're out. We will continue to march ahead to our goal and to do what it is that we're going to do. And if they decide to come into the fold, they will. We just, we didn't stress about it. Do we want support? Do we want love from everybody? Unequivocally, absolutely. We think lots of people should come and welcome this and say, watch the story of the Russian Five who influenced the way hockey is played for many different people in this league. And uh, But when they come into the fold, they will. <laughs> it would be easy to pretend that just anybody who comes from the same country as somebody else, they are automatically best friends and they have that in common. And we know, obviously, that that's not how it works. Um, how close are the five guys? I think they're fairly close as the time allows them to be. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, life goes on and people get spread around the world, you know. Igor did a lot of business in California. Then he was a lot in Detroit. Now he's actually starting to be in Russia. He just opened up a gym there. He opened up a chain of restaurants. So I think they will, they, you know, he's there. So I think he has a more opportunity to interact. As you know, Slava went into politics. Uh, he's traveling the world. He's the UN ambassador for climate change from Russia, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> They're going to play uh, a hockey game in the North Pole next year. So that's one of the projects that he's working on. And Kozlov is coaching a team back in his hometown. So I think it's like just like your friends probably from 20 years ago that you're close with uh, that probably you don't maybe don't get to see them that much. But when you call them, I'm sure you will have the same conversation that's heartfelt. Um, so I think they're still pretty close. Was the decision always to tell the story of these five guys? Because, I mean, growing up in Southern California, pre-internet, mm -hmm. There were so many stories surrounding Detroit. Right. You know, you could have gone with the grind line. I mean, that was going to be my question when we spoke yeah, on uh, yeah. Totally Offsides, was is your follow-up to this, the, <laughs> gr the grind line story. Um, 
Darren's got an interesting story. <laughs> there's, you know, there's uh, Iserman's career arc right. is fascinating. You could talk about just how they get, got Bowman. I mean, what was it about this particular angle of the story that, that attracted you? Well, for me, it was Vladimir Konstantinov's story. Um, and what, you know, the accident, the, the tragedy, his perseverance. I mean, it's amazing to think that they didn't expect him to live that night. And here we are 22 years later and he's still strong and he's still going and he's able to come out and watch the movie and, and relive for, you know, 99 minutes. Um, what was his pride and joy? Um, so, you know, it, I knew that that, I mean, that was the, the story cause it inspired me and I wanted to, to share the story to hopefully inspire others. And, you know, it, the Russian five, when they were on the ice in Detroit, it was special. And I mean, it was this really lightning rod moment. And I don't, you know, I'll never forget, like be at my grandparents' house. We'd be watching the game and the wings would be down by a goal. And like my grandfather and I are both screaming at the TV, like, Scotty, put the Russian five on. What are you doing? We need a goal. And you know, it was lightning in a bottle at that moment. And it stuck with me. And so, you know, at that time, as, as a fan, you don't understand the impact that those five had on the whole team, on the locker room. Um, but I knew what their impact was on the stat sheet and, and the outcomes. And so, and then with the personal connection, inspiration with Vladimir Konstantinov, it just it made so much sense to do it. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's no, actually, there's never any thought to approach the story any other way. I mean, it's like Ivan Drago coming to, to box for America, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things, right? If he was boxing for America all yeah. of a sudden. So much of what fascinates me about fan bases and, and our relationship to sports is uh, the dynamic between the generations, right? Fathers mm, teaching yeah. their kids to play the game. Was it gratifying for you on a personal level to to be able to deliver something like this for your dad oh my god wow yes you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry about that i mean i i just yeah. you know i i grew up in southern california my family's canadian so that's how i came to it so for me that's that's the context through which i view sports right is that your yeah. father's mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like one of the down. best reviews I just recently read from this Russian guy uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, he said, you know, I just took my 12 year old daughter and she thought like, oh, it's a hockey movie. It's going <laughs> to be so boring. And she came out of there glowing. He said, thank you so much. It was one of the most amazing glowing moments I could share with my daughter because she didn't live through that era. And we're seeing a lot of that. A lot of families going with kids and they want to share that time. And then their kids understand that time. And uh, yeah, for me personally, it's, it's a proud moment because my dad is like, he's like, wow, she did this. Yeah. One of the things I mentioned on the Totally Outsides podcast was we live in a world now where information is and it's a double-edged sword. Information is so available and so prevalent that you almost lose sense of its value right. and its importance. So to to make a project like this, to chronicle a story for people that it, – and it wasn't even that long ago, right? I mean, it's in all of our lifetimes, obviously. Yeah. Um, anybody who's not old enough to remember it, they can still feel the echoes of it. It's, right. you know, some of these people are still involved in the game. Mm. You know, there's some of them are still in their jobs. Mm. Um, but, but that impulse to create a, a record 
in a way that that wasn't right. We have the archives. We know what happened. Anybody can go to Hockey DB or Hockey right. Reference and see. Oh yeah, this is this was the score. This is what day the game happened. But to tell the story, right. where does that uh, creative impulse come from? Like, can you pinpoint a time that you knew you wanted to be? a historian or a storyteller, whatever label you want to put on it. I mean, storytelling for me has always been an important part of just my family. You know, my grandfather, he was just a natural born storyteller. So he, you know, we'd sit around the living room and he'd tell these great, fantastic stories. And so I, I grew up with it. Um, you know, when I was five, six, seven years old, I'd draw comic books and that. And so it's always been a part of me. Um, I think, you know, like with this specific story, you know, yeah, like you said, all the facts are there. You can go on, you know, the internet and figure out who won what game and all that. But, you know, what, what is the human part of that? What is, you know, as, uh, you know. Well, story is a feeling, right? right? I mean, you can read all you want. And the, probably one of the best things there and said is like, okay, there's a book. You can read the book. Vladdy can't read the book. Yeah. He can watch the film. Yeah. And as we watch people watch the film in the audience, sure, you can read about Vladdy's accident. But when you see it, you're feeling it in that theater. Sure, you can read about them winning the Stanley Cup. But when they win it, they lift it up and they put it in his lap. It's a completely different meaning, you know. So that visual storytelling, I think, is something very, very different. Yeah. And, and the combination with cinema of the, the visuals the sound, like all of the elements, it really do create this, this moment in moments where you feel it on a whole different visceral level. And, you know, that's, you know, trying to get to that, I think is the goal of any storyteller. And it's just, you know, I'm so grateful that uh, we have this team that was able to help us achieve this. I was particularly stunned at how many times I teared up. Um, I, I didn't cry. Man tears. Uh, but I, I would I would confess if I had but I mean the, never mind the moment that they win the cup and never mind the tragedy of the car accident and everything but there are just these moments where you can see people fondly remembering their own successes even the minor ones right. I mean details like the fact that Patrick Waugh's last game in Montreal was against Detroit I had I'm not sure that I ever actually knew that part of the story. I remember the game. I remember we reference it all the time on our podcast yeah. about Patrick Waugh skating over and saying, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I didn't remember or know that that was against Detroit. And that, you know, hitting that memory or, or revealing that part of the story, like I just found myself grinning like an idiot going like, that's like, what a fun detail that, as you said, you maybe if you're looking at the website or, or just finding the, story you don't get the full impact of that right was there a moment for you that that hit the hardest or that or that made you have that reflective moment uh, aside from them winning the cup for the first time which is obviously the, <laughs> the highlight of any i mean i don't know if this is answering your question directly but i mean when we get into talking about the summer between the accident and this next season, mm -hmm. I think, was really, you know, we all in Detroit, we felt that cloud. We, we, but we all felt it individually and, and collectively as well. But we didn't, you know, the, the team was very, other than that press conference that Iserman gave, the team really kind of cut the media out because it was really hard for those guys. And, and, you know, I don't, I think the team didn't really want to put them in the position to have to talk about it. Um, so to be able to really and possibly maybe for the first time, 
give these guys an opportunity publicly to discuss what that summer was like, you know, and, and Iserman, I think says it the best. And that's why it's the one clip that really made the cut was, you know, very quickly, this thing that they spent their entire lives thinking was the most important thing mattered nothing, you know, and it, it puts the whole thing in the context It puts sports in the context. It puts everything in the context, which is like, you know, accomplishments are great, but at the end of the day, it's about those human connections that you make. And they had almost lost their brother and, you know, no amount of Stanley cups can ever give them that back. And, and, I mean, it really impacted the guys. I, I learned midway through the process to stop doing my interviews chronologically because when we would get to the celebration and the parade, everyone would start having this anxiety. And you're like, well, it, that doesn't do any good because this is the joyous moment. But they had anxiety because they knew this is coming next to the point where, you know, Sergei Fedorov, and you see a little bit in the movie, but, you know, the extended cut, he, he actually straight up tells us, sorry, guys. I knew you were going to ask me this and I tried to prepare myself, but it's still not going away. And I think honestly, the biggest compliment we've gotten uh, fans, of course, but like Scotty Bowman the other day was in Tampa, got a standing ovation, 700 people. And then he turns around and he says, you guys nailed it. I feel like I'm in that moment when Darren, where any of those other guys that watch this, the biggest compliment is for them to tell us that we capture that moment exactly how they felt. Because that's the trickiest part. We were not there. We were not them. We didn't feel that. But telling a story like that where people that you're talking about see it in that light is probably the most amazing thing. It's like a writer saying that they have their voice, you know? I mentioned to him on the the other uh, podcast, for me, the most impressive accomplishment you guys (laughs) managed was getting me to root for history that I wasn't a fan of the first time around, right? Like as a Kings fan watching Detroit build this monster – Fail in 94. Fail, well, they didn't fail in 95, but I mean, they didn't. No, they didn't win. My dad got married the day of the fourth game in the New Jersey-Detroit sweep. Like, the first yep. thing yeah. his wife said, as you know, I now pronounce you, you know, da-da-da-da. And then uh, my stepmom grabs the mic and says, I just found out New Jersey swept Detroit. And everybody was <laughs> thrilled. So, party. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, Mazel tov. So Everywhere to, <laughs> but Detroit, it was a party. So to get me to root for, in the second telling, this team that, you know, antagonized the league for the better part of 20 years was a really impressive uh, feat. Well, let me ask you this. Were you rooting for the team or were you rooting for those people? I have friends who worked for the Ducks when Fedorov was there. And so I have a very positive uh, impression of him as a person. So I always liked him. Right. Even retro, you know, even in my (laughs) retroactively in my memories. Um, I mean, yes, obviously. I, I found myself liking Larianov. You know, I knew that his nickname was Professor. I knew that everybody called him the Gretzky of Russia, but I didn't have any sense of him as a person. I found myself right. liking him a great deal. I thought Kozlov was hilarious, um, <laughs> particularly the fact that he didn't speak English, although I suspect he can. Not really. Not really? No. Okay. It's not, it's not <laughs> a right. functional language. And, and I, I know him personally from those days. He just refused. He would go places. He would just speak Russian to people all the time. Doesn't matter where. He tells that story in the documentary, yeah. to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, where he says, that, you know, if anybody wants to speak to me, they can learn Russian. And after two years, nobody <laughs> learned Russian. I just felt like that was a surly choice on his part to be like, no, I'm doing it in Russian. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you... You did an excellent job, like I said, of making the viewer root for the team and root for the players and there's that moment where the fan 
turns to the camera and says, you know, he's out front of Joe Lewis before a game and he says something like Americans, Canadians, Swedes, Russians, they're all Red Wings or something. Right. And it's such a it's such a goofy moment that if you were that fan's kid, mm-hmm. right, you'd probably be mortified for the rest of your life <laughs> and you'd be thoroughly embarrassed. And ordinarily, I would feel some sort of cringe for that guy. But in the context, it actually winds up being this incredibly beautiful yeah. moment that like i said earlier sort of is the undertone yeah, it's a of sentiment the, of the film story yeah. yeah yeah and that was detroit and i mean 97 i remember that parade right there's a million people in the city of detroit and believe me there was nowhere near a million people coming to the city of detroit in the last <laughs> 10 years before that yeah. and just to see that and all kinds of people they were black they were white they were russian they were everything right and to have a city come together like that it was just some people didn't even care about it, but it was such a huge win. It's such a meaningful thing for that particular city. So once the movie's made, once it's you've got the animators, you've got the music, it's all done, how do you go about finding the audience? How do you go about showing people the movie? Well... So we started off at the festival circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we premiered in Detroit at the Freep. It was, a, it was a specific choice for us, even though we were offered other options. We felt that after years of fans harassing us and writing us hate mail, that <laughs> oh. if we don't show them this movie soon, they will come to our house and they will hunt us down. Um, it was only logical choice. We premiered in Detroit April of last year to three and a half thousand people. It was probably one of the un- most unbelievable nights and then we've set out for this really difficult road of distribution which is really not easy played some festivals finally got a distributor gunpowder and sky great distributor they said wonderful we'll take you digital but we're not going to do theatrical and at that moment we had to make a choice because we felt our fans needed to go to the theater see it on the big screen they needed to chant let's go red wings when the movie starts (laughs) because that's what they do they wanted to cry they wanted to be there with other fans so we've set out on a really difficult task of self-distributing a theatrical film i had never done this before steve who is sitting right there is my partner in the self-distribution mode never have done this before i believe you can figure anything out everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time in the morning and we figured it out um i mean so far we're closing on almost half a million dollars in the box office uh, we're the third highest grossing film and documentaries this year, all wow. self-distributed, um, and we're opening up, as you see, LA, Seattle. we got New York coming up. Actually, May is going to be very exciting. We just got a whole lineup of theaters, and we're going to keep bringing it because we believe this is how it needs to be done. Uh, we will be in digital soon. We'll be on DVD, and then we're selling into other countries, um, and it's been a very difficult endeavor for the last year, but we have overcome this, so now we're celebrating. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts of this becoming sort of a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show type event in Detroit? You know, you're showing it once a year during the playoffs or something like that? Well, let's get back to the playoffs and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think will be pretty soon now that Stevie's back. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know, it could. It, the film resonates, obviously, in Detroit in a special way. I mean, the response outside of the country or outside of Detroit has told us that it resonates all over but in detroit it's it's something special and i mean like the turnout that we had you know op- our opening weekend we were the second best movie in michigan other than us and us had the best horror open ever and we beat captain marvel in michigan wow. you know so we t- and that was only in its third w- week mm-hmm. of release yeah so we it was t- pretty crazy yeah and so i mean that just shows you how really important the story is to, to Michiganders and Detroit fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, now that it's done 
and now that it's out there and anything's possible and you know we would love to do more events with the wings with with detroit we, we've got some stuff i think we're working out with raising money for organizations that we believe in um you know the possibilities are endless and that's the cool thing with this particular project where you know some projects you do your your run and then it's done and then maybe it finds if you're really lucky, uh, you know, a little bit of a cult following down the line, but very few projects qualify in that way. But I think this one, at least in Michigan, will have some some long legs, and you know, it'll be cool. Um, it's it's a really surreal experience, and it's spoiling me because this is my first one <laughs> as a director. Um, so you know, our producer from Austin, who is our post producer, Jason, uh, you know, teased me opening night when you know. 3,500 people chanting and Vladdy was there and it was just over the top amazing and he was like enjoy this your career is just downhill from here (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that made the Red Wings such a perfect villain uh, like I said for 20 years was the was every time you'd go to a a hockey game it didn't matter which city there were enough of you bums that had moved away from Detroit (laughs) but had kept on you know kept your fandom you know, Staples Center would be full of red jerseys. Yeah. I mean, just full of them. Detroit would score, and you'd think you were at a at a Red Wings game. Yeah, I saw some pictures from the screening last night. You know, jerseys. obviously Jason from the Doctor Hockey yeah. Podcast was there with his jersey on. How many Red Wings fans have you guys bumped into at at all the various places you've been to? All over. I mean, I got an, an inclination that this would happen on the festival circuit mm-hmm. because our second festival was in Seattle. Um, which, you know, now they are going to become a hockey market, but they're not known as a hockey market. So, you know, it, the SIF programmers really took a chance on us and, and, and gave us an opportunity to showcase this. And, you know, that first screening, there was three Fedorov jerseys and an <laughs> Iserman jersey. And I knew right away, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And, like, one of my favorite things that, you know, our, our Twitter fans and our Instagram fans are fantastic. And someone posted a thing that was like, you know, me people who wear costumes to harry potter and star wars are nerds <laughs> also me and it's a picture of him in his red wings jersey yeah. with his ta- you know his ticket at the the venue and it's you know it, it gives hockey fans and red wings fans a, a chance to celebrate their pride you know i don't think anyone left detroit because they hated michigan you know maybe they hated winter but you know, Definitely they hate it when yeah. there's a lot of people that left Detroit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's get real, but they still continue to root for their right. team. Well, <laughs> they never get assimilated to wherever it is that they go. But I think, you know, there's no matter what the reasons why you left Michigan, it's still a part of you. Um, there's something about the Great Lakes state that just stays with you. And so you root for home. I mean, I know when I was in Austin you know, I lived there for seven, seven, almost, yeah, almost seven and a half years. You know, the second or third newspaper website I check every day was the free press, you know, because it still was a part of me. Um, And I think, you know, Michigan's decline from the 80s and, you know, people leaving is to our benefit right now because, you know, there is this diaspora across the country. Um, And it's cool to like go find those people and go out and, and see them in the jerseys and, you know, hear their story. How did you end up here? And, you know, where were you from? And, you know, we can all do the thing with the, the hand of, oh, I'm from here. And this, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's a really cool experience to be able to bring, especially in theatrically, to, to bring something that everyone back home has gotten a chance to see whether or not they've found the time to go see it. It's, it's been there. 
Um, but and those fans are actually rising up. We ended up playing yeah. some markets because of the fans. Yeah, like in, in Phoenix, this guy just annoyed the hell out of Harkins. <laughs> he said, you have to bring this movie. He would call me all the time. I said, if you connect me with the people, he connected me with the people. We ended up playing Phoenix because of a fan. And it's happening all over. They're writing to us. They're like, you got to come here. You look at our Instagram. There's every day 26 cities. Are you coming here? Are yeah. you coming here? Are you coming here? And I'm always like, get me a movie theater. We'll come. So <laughs> yeah. I've got the fans working for us already. <laughs> We've even got a group in Australia. Wow. Who they insist that there's a strong well, they Red started Wings. a page yeah, a uh, bring group. the Russian five to Australia wow. yeah because I'm like who watches Russia who watches Red Wings in Australia this guy's like I'm gonna show you I said start the group so he started a group and he keeps adding people and it's growing yeah. we have a fan who comes about once a year from Australia to the states yeah. and he comes to a Kings game and I go and I meet him at intermission and we catch up and how you know how, how was the flight etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a weird hockey yeah why? fandom so weird. one of the one of the other things that has fascinated me for years is the the connective tissue between hockey fans and other fandoms. So like the the, the wrestling fans and hockey fans. Like I've never been a wrestling fan, but the people that love wrestling and also love hockey or you know heavy metal or yeah. comic books, which makes perfect sense to me because I'm yeah. a comic book nerd. Um, oh, I didn't even know that. That might be good for some digital marketing. What yeah. it, it should. Really? I mean, wow. well, you mentioned this. Fascinating. <laughs> you mentioned the the person who made the post about you know cosplay people. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. years, I could never understand the cosplay community. Yeah. The people who make their own costumes and right. go to conventions dressed as these characters, and I shake my head and I go, I don't get it. And then yeah. one day I was looking in my closet and I realized I have three different Luke Robitaille jerseys. Yeah. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not really. Yeah, significantly different. <laughs> um, so, based on the success of this, based on how personally gratifying it, it seems to be, do you guys have any plans or interest in collaborating in the future? Are there any specific stories you'd like to tell? Are there any other worlds that you'd like to explore? Josh, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, it's, it's, we're like we're talking earlier about finding your team, mm -hmm. and I feel blessed to you know, find this incredible team. I, Jenny has. And I can't, and I was talking last night, um, my experience, like I worked a, a lot of years in Austin on a project that, you know, got a lot of buzz, but it didn't go anywhere. And, it, and I realized it didn't go anywhere because I didn't have that person. That's Jenny who can take the project once it's done and say, okay, your job's done. Now it's my turn and I'm going to blow it up. And she's done this on this. And like, I'm, I'm not a person who's going to call up a movie theater and, and, and bug them, you know, like. She is, and she's gotten us into so many theaters and spaces. Her and Steve have just done an incredible job. We're relentless. Job. We just we turn no's into yeses, and no is just not a yes yet. And we will call and call and call. And you gotta have somebody like that on your team. And thank you. I mean, whoever is out there and wants to do something, you gotta make sure you assemble a team that consists of different people. You know, we need business people, creative people. Yeah, and hopefully there are some interesting projects that you know. I'm all about good storytelling, good projects. I have a lot of projects on my plate that I want to do personally. And yeah, hopefully we'll work in the future again if the project brings itself that's interesting enough, you know? Yeah. yeah. For anybody that wants to watch it, you guys are in town for the rest of the week. Where are the screenings that so, the people can see it? Uh, Thursday night we're in Encino. Mm -hmm. And then Friday night we start a, a week-long run in Glendale. All um, Lemley Theaters. All Lemley. Yep. <clears throat> um, and Jenny and I will be 
uh, at Encino and Friday in Glendale uh, doing Q&A and meeting people. And so if people want to come out and wear their Wings jerseys, uh, Steve and I, every screening, because Steve came out on all the festival screenings uh, with me. So every screening, him and I would take a poll beforehand of how many Wings jerseys and like what's, what's going to be the most random one. You know, so like last night there was a Robitaille Wings jersey. So that yeah. was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. And the, Painful the, for me. <laughs> yeah. the Russian five uh, tickets dot com. So people can look up and see where they uh, they'll see easily where we're playing. So we'll be in New York soon and some other exciting places. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and heap a bunch of praise on you guys again now before we wrap up. Um, in 93, I guess I should know this off the top of my head. I was in Yosemite camping with my family during the Western Conference Finals. And in Game 7, when the Kings won to go to the Stanley Cup, I was listening on a car radio in a parking lot with two or three of my friends. Terrible reception. You know, huddled around. Everybody was deathly quiet. And then they score the goal. They, you know, they're going to the Cup. We all run around like a bunch of idiots. So to hear that story that you told about being at camp, yeah. I don't know that those moments exist anymore now that we have phones and tablets and wi-fi and connectivity and you can watch and everything but to to find people who who see the value in those stories mm. and to remind people of those moments mm. i think is incredibly valuable um the movie I, I can see why the specific story is important to the two of you but i think one of the beauty one of the beautiful things about the the movie is that it's about so much more than just the story of the of the people. It's about the importance of community, of humanity, of overcoming, you know, tragedy, et cetera, et cetera. I think you guys just did a tremendous job. Um, I said on Twitter that I uh, laughed and cheered and, and et cetera, et cetera, more than I did during Avengers. And I mean, I'm even getting emotional now talking about it. It's a documentary about a team I hate. Um, <laughs> Biggest I, compliment. <laughs> Biggest compliment. I didn't realize so many people hated the Wings well, until they made this movie. I, mean, I honestly didn't yeah. realize it. The Red Wings, I'm just going to go totally personal now. I apologize. It's okay. Uh, but the Red Wings for 20 years served so many functions, I think, in the world of sports, mm -hmm. not only as a villain, but also as an example of the value of thinking outside the box, yeah. the value of, of um, thoroughness, for lack of a better word. You know, I, was, I found myself Googling articles that I could remember having read over the last 20 years about what made Detroit so successful. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was Scotty Bowman bringing back the torpedo system from Sweden right. or, you know, the links between the Illich, Devilano, Holland, connect, you know, their whole front office. I mean, it was such an incredible organization. It was such an incredible moment in time. And like I said, to, to bring light to all of that mm -hmm. more than just, uh, you know, Hey, this date in history, the Red right. Wings beat Colorado to win, you know, to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Like, or the, oh, today's the day that uh, you know Claude Lemieux turtle. Like, right, March, March <laughs> twenty six is a, a <laughs> it is a holiday in Detroit every year. But but to but to take the time in a world where we're constantly seeking to break things down into the shortest, most quickly consumable <laughs> right. version of it, to take the time to flesh it out, to take the time to introduce you to these characters, and I again I said on the Totally Offsides podcast to give you the full team, right? Not just the five guys, not just the front office, but to get Chris Draper, right? To get Wayne Gretzky, to get all of these guys. I just, I cannot say enough great things about the movie. I'm so completely impressed by both of you. Thank you. And anybody Thank listening, you. even if you hate the Red Wings, 
you should still go see this movie because it's about it's about us it's about the fans so i I thank you for making it i mean stories are what connect us as human beings i mean that's one of the things that separates us from you know the other animals it's it's we found a way to communicate about our experiences and and shared commonalities and and differences that we can learn from each other so it's just i mean it's important to, to tell these stories and i know jenny will tell you I am nothing if not thorough. He's um, very thorough. His so, first cut was like several hours long. I would, I'm dying to He see wanted it. to do a trilogy for four hours on this. I was like, uh, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. He's like, why? There's movies that long. I'm like, well, let me tell you all the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I just wanted to do the story justice. At the end of the day, I mean, that was one of the things that we kept coming back to is, these guys left such an, a, a big legacy on, you know, not just the Red Wings, but the NHL. It's puck possession league now. And that's completely because the Russian Five showed the league. This is what can happen if you play puck possession. And you can win. And it can be fun. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it was like, we just have to make sure that we're doing it right. Because, you know, I don't want to... Igor Larionov to see this movie and be embarrassed about it. You know, yeah, like, it's like everything in your in life. Are you proud of what what you're putting out there? That's the question you have to ask yourself, and we continuously ask ourselves that question. Every cut we see, we're like, okay, is this the best version of what we're doing? Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's years. Yes, we don't have the right team right now, but it's not the best product out there. We yeah. can't. Just like everything in life, people just have to continue to ask themselves: Is this how I want to be perceived? Is what is this what I'm leaving behind? Well, I think you guys have left behind a, just a tremendous work of art. Thank never, you. Never Thank mind. you so Thank much. You. Never Thank mind you. it being a fun piece of hockey trivia. Thank it's, you so uh, much. It was really beautiful. So thank you guys for joining thank me. Thank you. Uh, Jenny Fedorovich. Did I say that right? I'm yes, sorry. Yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> and Josh Real. Thank, thank you. you very much. And if you ever want to do something with the Kings, uh, we'd love to have you involved. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.